Episode 28, Predicting the Stock Market Direction. Welcome to Retirement Tactical Money Management. Joe Cantu, Chief Investment Officer of Cantu Tactical Wealth Management, is your host and has over 30 years of experience in the retirement money management profession. He is a West Point graduate with a Master's in Business Administration and has worked for three of the largest Wall Street firms as a stockbroker and portfolio manager. Episode 28, Predicting the Stock Market Direction. Now, in our business, we call that forecasting. And it's interesting that you've heard that word forecasting in another area of our life. And that word is forecasting the weather. Isn't it interesting that something so unpredictable as the weather is very predictable? Likewise, many people believe that the stock market direction is not predicted, cannot be predicted or you cannot predict the direction of the market. Yet they're very similar in nature in terms of the analytics, the analysis that is. Uh, It's similar but yet different. And that's because we're dealing with different parameters. But yet something so unpredictable as the stock market is in truth very predictable. And there's actually a whole profession devoted to the prediction of the stock market and uh, that profession, the, uh, they're called chartered financial analysts. And, and I won't get into that, but uh, you hear the term uh, on many Wall Street TV shows or uh, things that you're watching as they're called analysts. But also there's economists as well. And it's funny, I, I hear some economists say, oh, the stock market cannot be predicted, but yet they turn around and they're trying to predict the direction of the market. So I'm going to get into that in just a few minutes. But before I do that, I want to uh, start off with the analogy of the weather. And I think it helps you understand the way uh, the stock market can be predicted if you understand the analogy of the weather. So let's start off with the fact that the weather is so unpredictable. You don't know on which day it's going to rain. You don't know on uh, which day or which week, depending upon how far the weather is, if it's going to be sunny, cloudy, or cold. But yet, if you take a a big step back and look at the long-term time frame, and this is very important to understand, we're going to be talking about time because time is a very important factor in forecasting the stock market or predicting the market direction. Time is a factor, just as time is a factor in the weather. Now, what's interesting today, which is August 25th, 2020, as I sit here and watching the weather on television, um, I see that there is a hurricane, Hurricane Laura, uh, currently, it's a Cat 1 uh, headed directly for the major city of Houston, Texas. And uh, uh, what's interesting is I have a lot of clients in Houston. 
And uh, so they're all preparing. I, I talked to one client today. As a matter of fact, they were, uh, she said, I can't talk to you right now. I'm, I'm taking the chairs out and back, all her lawn chairs, and she's putting them up. They're supposed to be hit, I believe, on Thursday, possibly Wednesday night or Thursday. Now, in Houston, the problem with that may not actually be the, the wind, but, I mean, it is expected to build to a Category 3, so the wind could be a factor, um, but also the flooding. The Houston is in a low-lying area, and it floods terribly. And uh, I used to live in Houston. I lived there most of my life, actually, and uh, until I, I recently moved to, uh, to Miami a, a, a few years ago. Anyway, let me get back to to, under, to explaining the weather analogy. So, and, and let's talk about the hurricane cone. When you're, say, four days out, they give you this cone of concern on, say, a hurricane moving in. And four days out, the cone of concern may cover the entire state of Florida. And, uh, and maybe even the Bahamas as well. So it stretches from the Bahamas all the way to the entire state of Florida. And that's because you're several days out, maybe even a week out. And, and likewise, it's, it's interesting, but with the stock market, because we know some economic indicators that drive the engine of particular countries, not just the United States, but other countries in Europe, Russia, Asia, Latin America, just around the world. But all of those countries have their economic engines. So from a distance, you can kind of see the direction of which those engines are running. They're countries that are either doing well or they're doing poor. And that likely drives their stock market as well in what direction. So you can kind of get an idea uh, just from a distance in time, let's say, uh, three years out or two years out looking at the economic engine that maybe that's that engine's running well so that the stock market is probably going to do well in that uh, particular country. Same way as, as with, with the weather. If, if we understand that that hurricane is coming and we have other parameters that we're watching, say high pressure systems, low pressure systems, you know, pushing currents, pulling currents, the temperature of the ocean, we have a pretty good idea that the this hurricane, for example, can build into a Category 3 and become more ominous. But isn't it funny that something so unpredictable, you know, as, as I sit here and as they sit there in Houston as well, it's a beautiful day. But yet there is forecasting telling them that a hurricane is headed to their direction. Now, that cone of concern is very wide uh, currently. I mean, it goes, I think, from New Orleans all the way down to maybe Corpus Christi. So right now, the cone of concern is very wide. But as you get closer to the uh, uh, area, then you have more parameters, and then you can get a, a sharper prediction as to the area of where that hurricane will hit. Well, let me digress a little bit and say it's very interesting that we have seasons in the uh, uh, market business, in the stock market business, and those seasons are called earnings seasons. We have four earnings seasons, and that's when earnings are released, and earnings are released like every day during a particular 
month, 30-day or, or maybe 45-day period, four times a year. We report in the United States on a quarterly basis. Now, in some countries around the world, they report on an annual basis or semi-annual basis. It's not the same. But typically, if they want their stock publicly traded, they typically fall in line and those companies start reporting quarterly. Isn't it interesting that the weather also has four seasons as well? So there's two similarities between the two. Also, in those earnings seasons, there's uh, with the weather, you know that during the winter in the United States, it's going to be cold. You know that. Now, you don't know on what day it's going to be cold. You don't know what particular day or what particular week it's going to be cold. However, you know in general, in general, that it's going to be cold. And that's why they call it forecasting, because it's more of a, a general aspect. And as you get closer, then the forecasting becomes more accurate. Well, it's the same way with the stock market. So, in general, we have four seasons of reporting. And there's there's similarities with the fact that each earnings season, there's events that happen. For example, we know that in the fourth quarter, during that earnings season, there's certain events that happens in the United States. One of those events is we have pension contributions in the months of November. And we also have uh, holiday sales around the world. There's holiday sales in the month of December. So it's it's interesting that, that those two events, uh, those two months, have a seasonal trend. So typically you're going to have more sales in December. And in pension contributions coming into all the pension plans around the world, typically November is a very good month for the market, um, historically speaking. And during the month of December, from December 15th here in the United States until the end of the, the year, December 31st, we have what's called capital gain distributions. And they, uh, they, you know, they start on the 15th and one company might distribute on the 15th. Another company, mutual fund company, might distribute on the 16th. Another mutual fund company might distribute on the 17th. But basically... On those last 15 days of the year, or 16 days of the year, we have distributions going out as capital gains. Now, if you take a step back and think of all the 401ks around the world that are in a mutual fund program, all retirement plans, think of that, around the world that are in a mutual fund program, and then they have capital gains distribution, and then they're on capital gain reinvestment. And dividend reinvestment, what does that mean? That means that when those mutual fund managers get that money in capital gains, what do they have to do? They have to reinvest it in the stock market. So what does that cost? Well, all that money coming in around the world, depending upon what mutual fund company is paying out and what the capital gains were. So if you had a year where you had big gains, then pretty much at the end of the year, you're probably going to have big capital gains. So it's funny, already you're starting to understand forecasting. So during that time, in general, those capital gains are going to be reinvested. The stock market's going to go up in general. So as a result, 
we have what's called the Santa Claus Rally. So historically speaking, the last 15 days of the year, the markets are typically up if we've had a good year of capital gains. Now, if the year is a poor year in capital gains, in other words, or let me say it different, if the year is a poor year in stock gains, then when the capital gains are paid out, then they may, may, may be very small. And if we actually had a loss in the stock market on that particular year, there may be very, very little capital gains paid out. Typically, there are always some. But as a result, you won't have a good Santa Claus rally. But all of a sudden, there's one component to forecasting that I have given, I have given you a hidden secret, uh, as I call my podcast, our hidden truth. That is a truth. Uh, every year we have capital gains pay it out. And it's kind of hidden that people don't understand that the Santa Claus rally, they think it's some name that we made up on Wall Street. It is not a name we made up on Wall Street. It is actually backed by the reinvestment and capital gain engines around the world. The other thing that's paid out at the end, end of the month is also dividends. Now, dividends are typically paid quarterly uh, if, if you own a mutual fund uh, or on stocks. They're paid out quarterly. But if you can imagine, now you have capital gains and dividends re being reinvested. Well, shoot, if you had a great year in gains, the stock market, then you're going to have a huge Santa Claus rally. So that's one component of forecasting. If you're taking notes, just take notes on that. That's what causes the uh, Santa Claus rally. And you simply can determine. So at the beginning of December, you already know pretty much if you're going to have a good Santa Claus rally or a bad Santa Claus rally just by looking at the stock market returns for that year. If the stock market made double-digit returns over 10% for that year, you'll probably have a good Santa Claus rally. If the stock market returns are, say, less than 5% or even negative, you have losses. Like in the year 2018, it was a loss year. Then it's possible that uh, the Santa Claus rally is not going to be very good at all. It could might even be negative if the market, if there's bad news in the markets, other events. It's interesting to understand that everything affects the stock market. Now, like, let's get back to the weather again. So we have seasonal events that occur in, um, uh, in the weather. You know, during the summer, we know it's going to be hot. Well, there's seasonal events that occur in the stock market as well uh, on an annual basis. Now, one of, the, one of the seasonal events is the fact that July's earnings uh, – when they report in July, uh, those earnings are typically the strongest, some of the strongest earnings for the year. Now, why is that? Well, because companies reporting in July, they're reporting off of April, May, and June. So let's think about that. Companies in the United States, if they're reporting in uh, so so earn, let me take a step back and tell you that earnings come out basically in January, April, July, and October. Those are the four earnings seasons that we have. But in general, typically April's earnings 
are reporting off the winter months. So they're reporting off of January, February, and March. And there's no Christmas sales in that. So normally speaking, that the April's earnings are not very strong uh, if you're looking at a particular company. Because you think of, this is here in the United States. Now, that's not the case in Latin and the Southern Hemisphere. It's just the opposite. But here in the Northern Hemisphere, it's freezing or it's cold in those winter months. So sometimes transportation is restricted. If housing can slow down, because they're not going to be building a roof when it's snowing. So now, the winter is thawing. Spring is appearing. So you move into the months of April, May, and June. Transportation picks up. Housing picks up. Uh, you know, building housing picks up. So you have a more vibrant uh, economy or business uh, happening there in, say, in the United States in this example that I'm giving, but that's also in Europe as well and in Asia as well. So, but, it, you know, basically it's around the world in the Northern Hemisphere. So when you look at July's earnings, they're typically pretty strong. Now, what's interesting about that is people can watch June earnings because there's company reporting uh, earnings reports, which is the report card of a stock. It's it's how well they're doing, how much money they're making you, the stockholder earnings, in other words. But you can get a telltale sign by looking at June's earnings to see how July's earnings are going to be. And in general, if June's earnings are good, then July's earnings are going to be good as well. And if that's the case, from a forecasting standpoint, historically speaking, then you will have a good July and a good stock market and it's possible it could be one of the best months of the year outside of November. November is typically the best months of the year, historically speaking, because of pension contributions. So uh, that is a very predictable month, so to speak. And I don't want to say predictable, but predictable in a direction can be predictable in a direction if you understand the uh, indicators, so let me say it a different way. What if the June earnings reports are coming in very poor for many countries? Then we have a lot of companies reporting in July. Then likewise, it could be just the opposite. We could have a very, very bad stock market in July because we know the earnings coming rolling out in June are bad. And we have more companies reporting in July. We call that earnings season. And as a result, the stock market could take a serious hit. So now you understand that that just by looking at earnings reports as as you know taking a step back I'm not taking other things into account but look at just some of these earnings reports you can have a pretty good direction on where the stock market is going now let's let's take an understanding of of two words uh, uh or two phrases uh the first phrase is long-term, and the second phrase is short-term, and they mean two different things. And you hear people talk about it uh, on Wall Street shows and many things. The word long-term means more than 12 months. So when you're taking a long-term perspective of anything in the investment field, we're typically talking 
more than 12 months. Now, when you take a short-term view of anything, then you're typically talking about less than 12 months. So when we look at the market, um, again, much like the weather, you can have a long-term perspective and a short-term perspective. So it's interesting that from a long-term perspective, if we're looking at the weather, we know we're going to have these different seasons, but we don't know how many hurricanes that are going to occur in a particular uh, year in, from a short-term basis. But it's funny, as things get closer and closer and closer on the weather to a certain area, then all of a sudden the uh, weather gets very, very accurate because of these computers that we have. And that's how we can predict the weather very accurately. I mean, on, on a, sometimes on a seven-day basis, as it gets closer to a three-day basis, they can tell you if it's going to rain on Saturday, and they're reporting it on Thursday. They can even tell you the time it's going to rain on Saturday, and, and it's Thursday. I mean, and then if, if it's Friday, it's even more accurate. Oh, it's going to rain at 2 o'clock. And it's Friday, so you get this report. So you're a roofer, and you tell your buddies, hey, it's going to rain at 2, so we got to finish this roof in the morning. You know, It's that kind of thing. It's truly amazing. But again, a lot of this has to do with supercomputers and, and the economic indicators that get fed into this. So the closer you get to the event or to the moment of time, the more accurate you get. All right. The stock market is not much different than that. Now, let's take a particular company. So not only are we predicting the stock market direction, but, you know, what we want to do is predict, let's say, well, okay, let me back up and let's say this. So if you're looking at earnings and say in July and they're coming out just one after another after another, and let's take an example. Now, I'm not, this is for educational purposes only, and I'm not recommending the stock, but I'm just going to talk about a popular stock called Apple. Now, I'm talking about Apple because Apple, um, they make several types of products. You know, they make uh, an iPhone. They make a, a, a computer. They make a notebook, iPads. They make different things. Now, what's interesting about that is that there's several components underneath it that go into that. So, for example, let's say that, uh, that Intel provides one of the chips. Uh, for or AMD provides one of the chip AMD or Intel provides one of the chips for the Apple phones. Now, if if let's say that say Intel is going to report say July the fifteenth, but let's say that Apple reports on the first of July. So now this is this is an idea of not only understanding being able to forecast the stock market, but it's also being able to forecast the direction of the of the, uh, the stock itself of individual stocks. So now we're getting really really technical, and I'll talk a little bit more about later that later how analysts get involved in that. So here comes July the first. Apple reports, and let's say they have record report of of phone sales, and they beat expectations by let's say twenty percent. And the Apple stock just goes flying through the roof and goes way up. Now, it doesn't take a, an Einstein guy to figure out 
that part of those Apple phones, they had AMG, AMD, and they had Intel chips in those. So all, and the glass, who made the glass for them? Who made the electronics? And if those companies are reporting later in the month, what do you think their numbers are going to be? They're probably going to be good as well. And those stocks are going to go up too. So now let's put that together. If Apple's numbers were good, then all the other vendors who make these products or put these components inside that Apple phone and that and that MacBook Pro and, and all those components, if all those sales are really good, then most likely the stocks down the, down the road, say on the 15th and maybe others report on the 8th and the 17th, they're going to be good too, most likely, because they make their money from sales of the phone. I mean, it, it, it all, it, it's all connected. So now, if I was uh, trying to predict the direction of the stock market, and I pretty much have a pretty good feeling that those component numbers are going to come in strong and those stocks earnings report are going to be good down the road of the vendors of Apple, my guess is that stock market on a short-term basis is moving up. The stock market direction is moving up. So you're starting to understand that? So let's take the inverse, the other side of the coin. What if Apple's earnings were very poor? If they reported on the first and Apple's earnings were very poor, what do you think those vendors' numbers are going to be down the road? So now I can predict that the stock market is probably going down. So you see how that's done? And it's done just by doing your homework. Well, a different thing. Loading in the economic indicators to your computer to predict the weather, it's not much different loading in the economic indicators to your computer to figure out the direction of the stock market. So, you know, it's interesting that from a long-term basis, you know, uh, let's say you're a year out, you don't actually know a year later what Apple's phone sales are going to be. But let's now take a view of that. So, you know, when you're predicting the weather, you know, they have things that are called El Nino, they have global warming, you know, all of these components go into play as to, you know, what the, the global weather is going to be, maybe a year out or maybe six months out and things like that. Well, likewise, in the stock market, we have that same view. And what the, the beautiful thing about um, the stock market is the fact that there's so many components that are involved in the figuring out the direction of the market. Now, here at Cantu Tactical Wealth Management, we're a top-down money manager. And what that means is that's the, the way we uh, do our analysis in uh, predicting or picking our stock selections, uh, but, but following all the way down the direction of the market as well and, and categories and sectors. So from a top level, we look at economic indicators around the world. So we're looking at country GDPs and first viewing that. And also there's other events that affect it. I mean, there's global events. I mean, the weather affects it. You know, you can have a cold winter and hurt uh, crops. Uh, as we sit here today, 
we had a global event called the pandemic. Now, what's interesting is, is this pandemic, this is a short-term correction for the stock market. It is not a long-term correction. It is a short-term correction. And what we mean, what what does short-term mean? It means less than 12 months. So, you know, the bottom of the market was March 16th. And after March 16th, the stock market started going up and it hadn't looked back yet. And, and do we believe that the vaccines are going to come out and then the COVID-19 issue will go away? Yes, most people do. Do we believe that that's going to happen within a year? Yes, most people do. So do I believe as I sit here that there's going to be this, quote, second wave of, of uh, COVID-19? Well, we've already been through that, so we're, we're kind of beyond that, and the vaccines are already rolling out. As I sit here today, there's a vaccine already rolling out in, in uh, Russia, and I believe there's another vaccine in another country. I don't know if it's at, in the continent of Africa, but there's two other countries, and then the vaccines in the United States will probably start rolling out probably 30 days or 60 days from now, we're going to start seeing vaccines in the U.S., as a result, you know, will we get back to next March? So the chances of next March coming back around and the market collapsing again are probably not very likely. So as a result, the stock market going down, then back up, simply meant it was just a correction in the market due to an event. But if I take a step back and I look at the economic engine of the United States, and we look at that by uh, looking at GDP. Now, GDP is gross domestic product, but it's the granddaddy of all economic indicators. So all the components underneath, like savings, unemployment, uh, home sales, earnings, all of these go into compute the GDP of a particular country, which is a report card. So here at Cantu Tactical Wealth Management, we look at the GDP. And from a top-down perspective, if the GDP in our particular country is doing well and major countries around the world, then we are equity-heavy or stock-heavy in our portfolios. If the GDPs, and we have parameters that we use that are proprietary, um, you know, secrets in other words, that we use in our firm, and if they break those uh, numbers going down, then we're bond-heavy. Matter of fact, here at Cantor Tactical Wealth Management, we were we were bond heavy, or I was particularly bond heavy until about 2013, and then that's when the GDP broke a level that we were looking for, and then we went equity heavy. Now, what does that mean in general? That also means that if we take a, a big step back and we look at the stock market, since two, March of 2009, that was the bottom of the market from this this century. So if you go to 2000 and then you go to 2009, basically, since 2009, the U.S. economy has been in a bull run. That's right. From a long-term perspective, now notice what I said. I said long-term. From a long-term perspective, the stock market has been in a bull run with short-term pullbacks. Now, we have different times during the year when the market does pull back. 
And like in the period of 2018, uh, it was the last three or four months that the market pulled back in 2018. And it caused 2018 to be a negative year for the stock market. But we were not in a recession or we were not in a depression. Now, what is the definition of a recession? Definition of a recession is uh, two negative quarters of GDP. That's the definition of a recession. Now, of a depression, it's four negative quarters of GDP. Now, so the, the point is, is that we have been in a bull run since 2009, and here it is 2020. So more than 10 years, in general, the stock market has been in a bull run. So if you were to ask me, what is the direction of the stock market? I would tell you that the, from a long-term perspective, the stock market is in a bull run with short-term pullbacks. Now, that means we have corrections. So we have a 2018 correction. We have a 2015 correction. 15 and 16 weren't all those good years. They were not that, that good anyway. But then we had 2019, spectacular year. 2017, spectacular year. 2013, spectacular year. And there's other things that affect the market too. Sometimes geopolitical events affected, like back in 2011, we had uh, President Obama. He, he, he wouldn't sign the um, uh, pass our, we call that the fiscal cliff. And uh, he, he wouldn't approve our budget. And as a result, we lost credibility in the world's eyes on the U.S. dollar. And that actually has caused many countries to move away as the, from the U.S. dollar as reserve currency. Uh, and we've never gained that credit, credibility back. And so uh, now many countries are starting to use what's called a blended reserve currency, which can be currencies from several countries. Because, you know, for one, you know, for once it was very clear that one person, one monarch, one prime minister, one president could affect the entire debt payment of a particular country. And so because of that, the U.S. dollar is no longer the best currency in the world. Matter of fact, the best currency in the world, uh, under, in my opinion, is the British pound. It's also the oldest currency in the world. It's been around a lot longer than the United States was. So that's the best currency in the world. But many countries are now using uh, gold standards and they're using, uh, um, uh, again, a blended uh, reserve currencies to, to, for their country themselves because they don't want to rely on one particular country's currency. So from that respect... I can simply say that the direction of the stock market from a long-term perspective is it's up. Even as I sit here in the COVID-19. But what's interesting is today, August 25th, 2020, the stock market got crushed. It went down 30%. Uh, I think the market fell from 29,000 on the Dow all the way down to 19,000 or, you know, it, it just under 20,000. Uh, I think it, it went, yeah, past 19 to 18,000, even hit a little bit, like 17,900, and just got just crushed. And then it's bounced back as we speak today, 
the S&P 500 has set a new record this week of an all-time high. The NASDAQ this week has set a new record of an all-time high. Isn't it amazing? Now, the Dow hasn't, but the Dow is only 30 stocks. The S&P 500, Standard & Poor 500, is 500 stocks. So it's interesting that things are beginning to get back to normal, but we still got a long way to go. Energy stocks are still depressed here in the United States. Cruise ships still aren't traveling. I think um, Norwegian Cruise Line has just started sailing just a few couple of weeks ago. But we still have Royal Caribbean and we still have Carnival Cruise Lines. They're not they're not moving. The airlines aren't people aren't moving 100 percent. People still have a fear of the covid virus uh, in 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 here in in, uh, in well, I'm in Broward County now, but in Miami-Dade County, pardon me, where I used to live. They still have many restaurants closed for indoor dining, so they're still a lot of businesses that aren't up to, to speed. Can you imagine in say six months from now, as I sit here again, um, what it's gonna be like? So six months from now, I'm assuming the vaccines are gonna be rolling out, everything's gonna get back to normal, business is gonna pick up. The S&P 500 should be setting even newer highs. So, my prediction of the stock market from a long-term basis is going to be up because of earnings reports and the economic condition. Now, also, there's other events that help you predict the stock market direction. So as we were moving into the COVID-19 and businesses were shutting down, what direction from a short-term basis do you think the stock market was going to do? It's going to go down. Right, of course it's going to go down. So see, you yourself can predict if businesses are shutting down and has a reflection on the stock market, you can predict the direction of the stock market from a short-term basis as a long-term basis. Now, just like the weather, you don't know which day that's going to rain that far out. You don't know which day the market's going to go down that far out. You don't know which direction when the market's going to go up for a particular day there has several several there's several influences that influence the stock market direction but in general you have a pretty good idea now the last thing to say is there's two more catalysts in in my belief for the stock market now one catalyst can can be a catalyst up or it can be a catalyst down and that's the elections so we're approaching in November, just a couple of months away, uh, less than 90 days away, uh, the elections. Um, and uh, Democrats believe in raising taxes. They believe in, in high social spending. And uh, even Biden said on an interview with ABC News that he believes that he may have to shut the economy down, the whole country down again, and reevaluate the uh, coronavirus and, and that's just that just blows me away because to me that's kind of old news vaccines are already rolling out but in general what do you think that what the stock market would do if we had a democratic platform election and joe biden wins well it's pretty easy in my belief 
to believe the stock market is going to go down. So that's event driven. That's event driven. Now, right after him, I believe the vaccines are going to be rolling out pretty strong. And I think the stock market would move back up. Despite the fact that the Democratic, now, now it could go down further because they're going to raise taxes and it could drive off companies. And, you know, they also don't believe, they believe in shutting down, you know, energy production and things like that. You know, Obama restricted a lot of drilling in, in the North Sea. Um, and so likewise, under the Democratic platform, it could hurt energy. But simply speaking, that just means that you have to own different stocks. So we may have to own more bonds in the portfolio. We may not want to own energy stocks, for example. You know, if there's a Democratic win, you just own different types of stocks. But likewise, overall, the market should recover. And then you may have to take more defensive posture going forward if taxes are going to be raised and higher government spending. But on the other hand, if there's a Trump victory or re-election, let's say re-election, my guess is the stock market's probably going to go up because in general, well, I just have to look at history. If I look at the 2016 election, after he was elected, the very next day, the stock market went up. The market went up for 14 months straight. I've never, I've been in the business over 30, 30 years, almost 32 years. I have never seen the stock market move straight up for 14 months. Today, we now call that the Trump rally. Uh, it's got a term just like the stock market made zero for 13 years uh, from January 1st to 2013. Uh, we call that the lost decade. Well, we call uh, when Trump was reelected the Trump rally. So it's very possible we could get another, a second Trump rally uh, because he's reelected. And that means government regulations are going to continue to be cut. and um, also, that uh, uh, taxes will remain low for corporations as well. I'll tell you another interesting fact. It's that um, during the Depression back in, you know, the crash of 1929, and the Depression was from between 1929 and 1936. But during the Depression, uh, we reelected a new president. It was FDR. I believe that was 1932 or 34. I forget one of those two years. But anyway... FDR came in, he cut taxes, he stabilized the economy uh, by cutting regulations, and then he increased government spending. He did those three things to get the economy going again. He was a Democrat. FDR was a Democrat. Trump came in, he did the very same thing. He did the exact same thing that FDR did, and he was a Republican. So what does that tell you? It tells you that it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. What matters is what that individual can do to influence the market. And, 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 and let me say that again. It's, it's very interesting that one man, one individual, can in fact influence the entire stock market. Likewise, if anything happened to the president, what do you think the market would do? Okay, so you get the idea.
how influential. But same with the weather. It could be the weather. Look, COVID-19, you know, there's events, weather, so many things influence the, the stock market, so to speak. But it gives you an idea of long-term direction and short-term direction. Now, uh, let's, uh, I promised you that uh, uh, I would talk about, uh, let's take a break. And uh, it's a commercial break. I've been going rather long-winded on this. So after the commercial, I'm going to talk to you about the stock prediction business. Some people say, oh, you can't predict the stock price. That is absolutely 100% not true. There are people who predict the stock price, and they can predict the stock price to the penny. So let's listen to this commercial break. And then after this, I'll tell you the hidden truth behind predicting a stock price. If you are unhappy with your retirement portfolio's performance and would like a second opinion, I invite you to take advantage of a special offer for our podcast listeners. A free second opinion investment portfolio analysis is available to you at no charge. The second opinion compares fees and conducts a performance analysis. Please visit the Cantu Tactical Wealth Management website and complete the contact form on the contact tab to get started. Or feel free to call 305-491-0447 for immediate second opinion help. The firm is a fiduciary and registered investment advisor in the states of California, Florida, Georgia and Texas, providing pure independent advice. Okay, welcome back. Let's talk about the business of predicting a stock price. So, um, I had mentioned earlier in the program that predicting a stock price is done by a profession that are called analysts, chartered financial analysts, typically a three year program. It's three levels of exam. It's a very, very intense study. Um, it's studying to a company. It's kind of like uh, a CPA on steroids. I mean, it, and, and by na- analyzing a company, it's a very, very difficult exam. And uh, these people who pass this exam, uh, they're very, very smart. Now, let me throw out some terms. The first term that that uh, you need to be familiar with is the word following a company. So it's a term called following a company. So we have analysts out there who are industry analysts, and I say industry, let's say the beverage industry. So this guy, he writes a research report on Coca-Cola, and I'm not recommending Coca-Cola stock. I'm only using it for educational purposes. But say he follows Coca-Cola, uh, Dr. Pepper, Pepsi, you know, for example. And he'll spend his life following that company, keeping up with it and writing research reports. So let's say that he worked for a brokerage house, a brokerage firm, and he writes a research report for them. Now, earnings come out every quarter. So, for example, if Coca-Cola and Pepsi say have they have uh, a conference call for their analyst to talk about their earnings report. And some of them do it monthly. They'll have a sales call with analysts and tell them how their sales are going. 
And they do that because they know that these analysts write these research reports. Now, what's interesting about the stock market and gambling, there is a difference. In gambling, gambling is a, is taking a chance and you're not allowed to have knowledge. In case of gambling, say knowledge of the cards if you're a poker player. If you have knowledge of the cards, that's called cheating. But that's not what investing is. In investing, you're supposed to have knowledge. The government wants you to have knowledge. And that's the difference between investing and gambling. It's knowledge. You have knowledge as an investor. If you're buying a piece of real estate, you do your research, you do your homework, you're allowed to have knowledge to make a decision. Same on the stock market. Now, on publicly traded firms, the SEC, Security Exchange Commission, requires publicly traded firms to issue the knowledge of how the company is operating and to issue these reports. Um, so they turn around and they'll issue these reports and make public announcements uh, in a public release. And these analysts take this information and they crunch numbers. So every quarter, uh, these companies have to report their earnings. And what these analysts do, they'll write a research report and Within a, few, you know, within a few days, typically, you know, say seven days, they will write a report and predict what a company's earnings may be. Let's say they'll predict, oh, say that uh, Coca-Cola is going to make $2.13. Now, I'm just making up that number. That's not their earnings. I just made up a number. But what's interesting is one analyst may predict, say, he works for another different brokerage house or S&P or, you know, different, different companies, because S&P does research reports, MSCI does research reports. Um, anyway, so uh, Dow Jones does research reports. So one guy may predict it's going to be $2.15, another, another analyst predict $2.14, another one $2.13, another one $2.12, another one $2.11. And they all base it on different factors. One might be sales, one might be cash flow, what might be debt, so many different parameters. And they come out what's called a consensus estimate. And the consensus estimate, let's say, um, in this case, that the consensus estimate was $2.14. So that's the consensus estimate. So if you take, let's say there was 25 analysts who followed the beverage industry. And these people work not just in the United States, but they work around the world. They work in, in Hong Kong. They work in, you know, Europe, uh, New York. They work in different people. And they follow these, these, these beverage companies and they write research reports. Again, they spend their lives, their whole life, 30, 40 years writing research reports. And these companies know them. And they know that they are very, very influential on their stock. So if... Uh, a company beats its earnings. So let's say Coca-Cola comes out and the consensus estimates and on television on Wall Street shows, they just call them the estimates. But if the estimates were, say, $2.14 and Coca-Cola comes out and their earnings reports are, the earnings for the company are $2.18, then they beat 
earnings numbers. So what do you think the stock's going to do? In general, it will go up. There's other factors. You know, they analyze sales and other things inside it, inside that report. But in general, the stock is going to go up if they beat consensus estimates, if they beat earnings. Now, what if consensus estimates were $2.14 and they come out with $2.08? What do you think the stock's going to do? The stock's going to go down. All right. Now, what's interesting is, what if they come out and their number is $2.14? The stock will trade evenly, most likely. And that actually may continue up in general because they made their numbers. They made their earnings numbers. So it's very important for a company to make its earnings numbers in order for the stock to trade well on the stock market because that affects investors, pension managers who buy these stocks for their pension fund. I'm a money manager. I buy stocks for my clients. So it affects my decision if a company beat numbers or fell below estimates. But now you've learned that these analysts can predict the stock price to the penny in many cases, to the very penny. They predict the stock price and they'll write a report and they'll tell you in general where the stock is headed. And that's what's more important. You know, it's interesting. If you pay an advisor to manage your money, you don't want to pay somebody who has no idea where the stock market is going. If you pay money or pay fees for advice, whether you have a financial planner, investment advisor, a stock broker, an investment, a registered representative, whatever you call him, the point is, is that you want to pay when you talk to him. You, he should be able to tell you where the stock market is going. I can tell you where it's going. I can tell you where it's going from a long-term perspective. In general, I have a pretty good idea where it's going from a short-term perspective. Now, I can't tell you if it's going to be up tomorrow, but we call that the breadth of the market. But the breadth of the market we know is moving up. You know, also, regardless of who's president, once the vaccines start rolling out, the market's going up anyway. And there's one last, one other factor that's going to cause the market to go up, and that's the fact that during the COVID-19 incident, China, where there's a lot of manufacturing with drug components and technology, refused to ship some of these components to the United States and other countries. As a result, many other countries and com many other countries in other countries and the United States are now doing manufacturing themselves in their own countries and companies. Their own <laughs> it's a, it's a tongue, tongue twister. They're now making their own manufacturing in, their, within these companies inside their own countries. There you go. So um, that will, in my opinion, is going to be good for business on a global basis, say, for the next three to five years or five to seven years, regardless of who's president. So that's good for all uh, companies or business in general or for the stock market in general for the long-term direction of the market. So 
this concludes my podcast. Uh, I hope you learned something here. But the, the basic thing that I would like you to hopefully have learned in my podcast is that, number one, the stock market is predictable. It is predictable. And don't let anybody tell you that it's not, because it is. It's like the weather. Can, so if somebody asks you, is the weather predictable, what would you say? You say, yeah, the weather's predictable. All right, well, the stock market is predictable. Now, on a real short-term basis, if somebody was asking you, is the weather predictable, you'd say, well, no. I mean, not until you get closer to the time, right? Okay, the stock market is, is much the same way. On a short-term basis, no, the stock market is not predictable. But that's why we call this forecasting. So again, let me just say, if, if you have an advisor, ask him what direction the stock market's going. He should know from a long-term basis. From a short-term basis, let's say three months, six months, that time frame, he should also know what direction the stock market is going. I know what, what direction it's going. And he should also know what events could influence the direction of the stock market. Now, what does that cause that investment manager to do? Well, in our case, we're tactical managers, so we don't sit buy and hold. A strategic manager buys and holds. I call it the buy and hope method, kiddingly. But a tactical money manager rotates, moves money, sector rotates into different sectors. So, you know, moving into the election, you know, at our firm, we're discussing that it's possible we may take a more conservative posture, uh, a defensive posture in some of our investments, maybe adding more bonds and gold to the positions, uh, utilities, things like that, real estate. And then if Trump is elected, we'll move back into stronger growth equities. If Biden's elected, Democratic platforms elected, then we'll maintain our uh, conservative defensive posture and may add more conservative defensive postures uh, to the portfolios. Again, we believe we still can make money in either direction. If stock market's moving up, we can make money. We believe that. You have to believe it. That's our business. The stock market's moving down. We believe we can make money. How? By not owning the stock market. You can, you can move into other securities such as fixed income that aren't going down with the stock market. And you simply make that adjustment to your portfolios. So in general, not only can the stock market be predicted, but you've also learned that uh, stocks, uh, directions, uh, prices can be predicted. Let me just throw out one small thing. Let's say you have a drug stock and you're an investor and you want to buy a particular drug stock. Now, if the FDA approves one of their drugs, what direction do you think that stock's going? It's going up, right? Right. Well, there you go. Now you have learned how to predict the direction of a stock. Now, you don't know what price it's going to hit, but you know what direction it's going. Likewise, on the inverse side, if the FDA disapproves their drug, what direction do you think that stock's, more, that stock's going? It's going down. And you're probably not going to buy it. Or if you own it, you're going to sell it. Or you should sell it, in my opinion. You know, it's just my opinion. Because the drug got disapproved and it's going to hurt earnings, right? Right. Okay. But now even yourself can use common sense to predict the direction of a stock price. Again, I'm long-winded. 
I love to talk. I apologize, but that concludes my uh, podcast. We have some uh, disclosures at the end uh, that are required uh, uh, since I'm a registered investment advisor. And uh, please listen in. Thanks. Joe Cantu, Chief Investment Officer of Cantu Tactical Wealth Management, is your host and has over 30 years of experience in the retirement money management profession. He is a West Point graduate with a Master's in Business Administration and has worked for three of the largest Wall Street firms as a stockbroker and portfolio manager. Over 10 years ago, he created Cantu Tactical Wealth Management, which actively balances and selects investments based on a tactical approach rather than the traditional strategic management method. Instead of the buy and hold philosophy, he believes in the pursuit of finding investments showing momentum, performance regardless of the direction of the market. His experience includes IRA accounts, 401k rollovers, trusts, endowments, defined benefit plans, 403bs, and 401k plans. Additionally, he served as a night college instructor for seniors, teaching high net worth retirement and estate planning for 14 years. Podcast views and personal opinions are for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute a recommendation. Investing has risk of loss and you should consult with your own advisors for any financial decisions. Cantu Tactical Wealth Management and Joe Cantu are a fiduciary firm and registered investment advisor in the states of California, Florida, Georgia, and Texas providing pure independent advice and money management.